Hey everybody, we are about to go into our time, our uh, session where we're gonna be looking at the Book of Acts. We did that, we've been doing it the last two weeks. Uh, the Book of Acts is a great book. Uh, it's, it's a history book of the New Testament, of the early church, of the way they, uh, they lived and worked and everything like that. We're gonna be in chapter two today. So if you wanna get your Bible, your notebook, anything like that, Go ahead and do it. We're in chapter two. This is an amazing chapter in um, in the book. Uh, a big, big event happens in this chapter that affects that still is affecting us today. Um, so, if you remember uh, the first week, um, we talked a little bit about um, about who uh, about what an apostle was. We talked about um, uh, what Jesus was commissioning them to do. Um, last week, we talked a little bit about Judas and uh, how they were replacing Judas as, as uh, in the disciples and, um, and what Judas, the choices that Judas made um, and who he, who I think Judas thought Jesus was. I think Judas, the whole thing with him was that he misunderstood the role that Jesus came to play. That Judas wanted Jesus to be something that Jesus wasn't meant to be. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing that messed him up. And um, I think when he realized his mistake, that's when everything started to fall apart for him. Um, so today we're in Acts chapter two. I'm guessing that Hannah has her hand up because she wants to read. Um, so I am gonna unmute Hannah. Hannah, will you read uh, verses one through 11? Okay, sure. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house and they were where they were sitting. Then they saw what seemed to be the tongues of fire that separated them and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then it is how each of them hears us in our native language. Parthians, Medes, um, eh, I'm just going to skip that part. I don't know how to say this word. So, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them declaring the wonders of our God in our own tongues. Okay. Uh, read one more verse there. Read verse 12, too. Okay. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? So, so this, is, this is a big moment, um, but before we, get, before we completely unpack this, let me throw out. So Pentecost is a very specific um, event in the Jewish calendar, right? Um, so they would have Passover, and then they have the Feast of Firstfruits, and then they have Pentecost, which is um, five, uh, 50 days later. So 50 days after that, uh, after, after Passover is Pentecost. 
And so what's really interesting is that uh, Jesus died on Passover. Passover was the, uh, the, the, the holiday that celebrated them being released from Egypt, right? And so Jesus died at Passover. And then it says Jesus, uh, in the Bible, it talks about Jesus being the first fruits of them that are dead, which is referring to that feast of first fruits that happens right after Passover. And then the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Um, I, I want to throw out one thing too, though, that you need to need to make sure you, we're going to talk about the, the stuff that happens after, but um, understand that they were all waiting for Pentecost. Um, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but it wasn't them. Uh, Pentecost wasn't dependent on the people. The people were dependent upon Pentecost. They weren't, it wasn't that God was going to do it when they were ready. It was when God was ready, they had to be waiting for it. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I need somebody to read verses 13 through 21. 13 to 21, just do that. Uh, Jacob, you want to read that? Go ahead and let me unmute you, unmute you. There you go. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have too much wine. When Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow G Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as... As you suppose, this is nine in the morning. Hey, I love that. I love that line. Hey, you think they're drunk? Don't you realize it? it's nine o'clock, dude? Why would they be drunk at nine o'clock in the morning? Go ahead. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so this is an amazing uh, event. This is, this is probably, so I would say when we talk about events that affect us as a church and us as believers, we celebrate Christmas, which is when Jesus comes to earth <clears throat> in flesh. We celebrate Easter, which is when um, Jesus dies on the cross as our sacrifice. And I would say this should be the equal to those celebrations this is basically christmas for the holy spirit right this is when the holy spirit comes to earth as a tangible force that is going to interact with human beings and it's god in spirit interacting with us and uh making intercession with god for us and i love this this picture of pentecost now um, would somebody look up a verse for me? Alexa, why don't you look this up? You kept raising your hand. Alexa, will you look up Luke 24, 49 for me really quick? 
and let me unmute you. It only goes to 24. Uh, Luke chapter 24. Oh, yeah. Verse 49. Oh, okay. And behold, I send forth the promise of my Father unto you, but, ye, but tarry ye in the city until ye be clothed with the power from on high. So this is, this is what Jesus is saying right before he goes up into heaven. And so what he's telling his disciples, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until something happens. And um, I think this is, this is a key thing for us to understand, that this wasn't the disciples making this happen. This was them waiting for it to happen. And, and we would know, we know that they waited anywhere from uh, a, probably around a week that they're sitting there doing nothing. Um, I guess replacing Judas is what they were doing, but, but not much else. And it wasn't just the disciples, just the 12. It was 120 disciples of Jesus who are there waiting for God to do something, waiting for their next step. I think a lot of times we're, we are, uh, we get anxious, right? We ask God to do something. If he doesn't do it right then, we start going, why aren't you doing something, God? What, why, why aren't you doing something? I'm being faithful and you're not doing anything. And we get frustrated with God. But the disciples understood that, that what was about to happen, that Pentecost was an act of God. It didn't happen because, the, I wrote down that it didn't happen because they were waiting. They were waiting because they expected something to happen. And, and so that's uh, an attitude that we can put into our lives, especially in this time, right? Um, we sometimes are like, God, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Why aren't you moving? And instead, we should be saying, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do because I know you're going to do something and I want to be ready. So um, they, they took to heart that last thing that Jesus said, to stay there and wait until, uh, until the power came on them. Um, now, I, I love uh, early in that Acts chapter 2, it says that the Holy Spirit descended as tongues of fire. And what do you think that was? Anybody have any idea? When it, when it says the Holy Spirit descended as tongues of fire, uh, anybody have an idea what you think that might be, what that's talking about? What do you guys think? You can raise your hand on the side there. Um, I might be able to see you raise your hand in the frame. Oh, I see. Uh, what do you think, Grace? Well, it'd be me. But oh, Jack, sorry. I kind of envision it as kind of like a ball of fire coming down. And as it comes down, they're able to hear different tongues or voices or in different languages. Okay. All speaking at once. 
That's cool. I like that. I like that. Anybody else have one? I'm trying to be able to see everybody. It's hard. I, I will say this. I love when, when I read things like this and when we read, uh, I think it's also interesting when you look back and you see uh, Moses. Moses sees a bush and it seems to be consumed by fire, but it's not burning up. So it's not really fire, but it looks like fire. I love, I love this description that it, the Holy Spirit descended as tongues of fire from heaven. But what's cool about it is that it's not tongue, it's not fire, because we don't. The rest of the passage doesn't say the Holy Spirit descended as tongues of fire and all the disciples caught on fire and got third degree burns and were covered with blisters and red skin. Doesn't say that. So what this is, is Luke trying to describe something that's never been seen before. Trying to describe something that's never happened on the face of the earth in the history of the world. That this Holy Spirit descends on people. And, and so he's describing it, and he says tongues of fire. And, and sometimes I think we get this simplistic image, and I've seen people try to, try to illustrate it as these little fireballs, like you said, like coming down on top of them or whatever. But I think whatever it was was so unbelievable that, that he couldn't really describe it any other way. So he tries to simplify it. He tries to wrap his, his mortal mind, his finite mind around God coming and indwelling his people. I, I love then what happens next, that they all begin to do things that they should not be able to do. This bunch of Jews from Jerusalem should not be able to speak languages from all over the world that they've never heard before, but they start doing it. And they're speaking such obscure languages that people that are watching them think they must be drunk. Have you ever... If you've ever been in a place where everybody was speaking a language that you don't understand, um, it's weird because we, we try to, I think it's funny, we try to make words out of what they're saying. I, I've been to, I, we were in India uh, several years ago. And when I was in India, there was at one point we were in this market and I went to talk to this man and he starts talking to me. And I'm trying to understand what he's saying because at first I thought he was speaking English. Like I was picking out words that were, that seemed like words. And, and so my brain was trying to make that into English, but if he was speaking English, it wouldn't have made any sense. It would have sounded like gibberish, but it's because my mind was hearing in one language, he was speaking another. And so Half the people in this crowd are going, hey, he's speaking my language, a language that I haven't heard outside of my country. And then the other half is going, these guys are drunk. That's the only explanation. And um, one of the things that I love about the idea of Pentecost is if you go all the way back to Genesis, you have a story called the Tower of Babel. Anybody ever heard of that, the Tower of Babel? Who who would like to summarize that, what that was about for us? Um, okay, Jacob, uh, summarize the Tower of Babel for us. 
so um, after a while, after um, the Ark landed, um, people started getting together, building a tower, trying to reach to heaven. And then God got very disappointed and uh, made different people speak different languages. And it just got forgotten about because the different lang- the people who spoke different languages all dispersed into different communities. So they couldn't understand each other, which means they couldn't work together, which means they couldn't build a tower. Okay. Uh, Journey, did you, do you have anything to add to that? I saw your hand up and, but Mm-mm. no. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, that's the story. Now the whole idea of the Tower of Babel is that these people decided they were going to get together and build a tower to heaven. They were going to work their way to God, right? They were going to work their way to God. And God says, that's not the way that works. And so he made them all speak different languages. I love that Pentecost is the opposite of that. It's a group of people who understand that God is, that Jesus is the only way, that they can't work their way to God, that God is working his way to them, that God is the one who's acting and they are the ones who are receiving. They understand that. And so what God does is he gives them all the languages and allows them to be able to go out into the world to unite people around this message where Babel's about, this is the wrong message. I'm going to break it right now. God saying, I'm not going to allow you to do this because this is not the message that I'm putting out. And then at Pentecost, he's saying, the message I'm putting out is that I am the one working. I am the one endowing you with power. I am the one sending my Holy Spirit. You're not working your way to me. I'm working my way to you. And um, where Babel separated, Pentecost unites, right? And, And so this is God saying to the world, this is the message that I have. And this is what I want you to know. And I love that last, that last verse in Acts 2. Um, somebody read Acts 2.21 for me. Who, uh, if you've got it there, um, who would, anybody? Jacob, you've already read. Let somebody else read. Anybody want to read just Acts 2.21? I'm looking for hands, looking for blue hands. Oh, there's Journey. Journey. Read Acts 2.21 for me. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Read that one more time. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that amazing? That this is, this is the message that Peter proclaims. This is the message that they proclaim in all these languages to all the people who are listening, to everyone who, who's there at the moment that the Holy Spirit comes, into the, comes to the earth. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Not all Jews who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Not all religious people who do everything right who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the message that God is putting out to unite the world around one idea. And, and where Babel, again, the idea was, I can, if I work hard enough, I can get to God. And God says, no, I'm breaking that idea. I'm destroying it. And now when he sends his spirit into the world to unite everyone around one idea, the idea that he unites them around is that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. That I am the one who's working. And if you recognize that, I'll save you. Let me pray for us real quick. And then we're going to hear from one of your friends. Lord, I thank you uh, for this message. I thank you for the message of Pentecost, that you are not a God who divides, who separates, who breaks apart. You are a God who unites. Lord, the, uh, all the divisions that we have as humans from countries to languages to races, all the time, all the things that we put in place to separate us from each other and set ourselves apart from each other. Lord, I am thankful that you are a God who does not see those things. You are a God who does not see uh, racial lines, who doesn't see political borders, who doesn't see any of that. But Lord, you are a God who sees people who are in need of salvation. And so you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And then you sent your Holy Spirit to convict us and to draw us to you. Lord, thank you for the message of Pentecost, the message of unity, the message of drawing together, the message of us being one people that you love. And Lord, I just pray that um, if there's anyone in this group who has never called on you for salvation, that they'll realize that um, you've come and you've done the work and all they have to do is call upon your name and they'll be saved. Lord, thank you for all you're doing in and through us and all you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, Emma Baclaris is going to share with us today her story. So take it away, Emma. Hey, y'all. My name is Emma Baclaris, and I'm 13 and I'm the seventh grade at Durham Middle School. I play tennis and volleyball, and I have a nine-year-old sister named Harper. I also have two basset hounds named Minnie and Jesse. I enjoy to read, go outside, and hang out with my friends and family. Ever since I was a baby, I was taught about Jesus. My parents believed, my grandparents believed, my entire, my entire family did. I was always taught and told about God's love. But for a while, God was just a topic, not my savior. And church was just an activity, not the place where I felt welcomed and felt God's everlasting love. I was always a happy child, but looking back, I realized that I wasn't really filled with the filled with joy at the thought of God and what he's done. I wasn't inspired to show others to God. Around nine, I went to a church camp at Westridge. I'd already accepted Jesus, but wasn't really trying to take the next step in my faith. I was worried that God would forget that I asked him into my heart and confess my sins and would just leave my heart. One of the Sunday school, one of the teachers here there explained that I didn't need to keep, accept it, keep inviting God into my heart. So one more time, I asked God into my heart and knew that he was going to stay with me always. This led to me getting baptized on my 10th birthday. It felt great. I was excited and felt like loving God gave me a purpose. Over time, I read the Bible more and grew closer to God, and I've been wanting 
to show other people the God and been inspired to be the best person I can be. God has helped me with my anxiety and stress and helped me replace it with peace and love. I feel like God has made a huge impact in my life already. I hope to continue to grow closer to God and learn even more about the Bible. I also hope to show other people to God and help them find their story. Thank you. Yay, I unmuted everybody so you can clap Yay. if you want. Yay, clap. Amazing, that was okay. beautiful, it made me cry. Well, uh, I just want to say thank you guys. I'm so glad to see all of you. I really do enjoy seeing all of you, even Mr. Pencil um, on Sundays. Uh, um, I'm hoping that you guys will have a great week. Um, finish strong. I know there's just a little bit of school left. Uh, do the best you can. Keep working. Don't give up. And uh, next week, in case you forgot, Next week is Mother's Day, so uh, be sure and do something nice for your mom. Uh, she has earned this day. This day is a big day, so so make sure you do something nice for your mom. Um, we'll be here next week, but uh, it hurt my feelings if you're out doing something nice for your mom instead of being here with us, you know, cooking her breakfast or whatever. But we're done for today. Have a great week we'll see you next week I can't, I can't, I can't. i'm chris Bye. Bye. Bye.